It's Monday, May 17th. You're listening to the Tech Breakfast Podcast, the show that brings you delicious tech news and all the hot takes you can handle with Tyler Gates, Russ Kentwell, and Aaron Bewley. We unfortunately do not have Russ today, just me and Tyler. How's it going, Tyler? Good, man. All right, great weekend. Wet. Holy cow, was it wet? It rained Ugh, a lot. So much rain. Texas. Yeah. And my, uh, my, my that creek in my backyard is a torrent of water. But it hasn't actually flooded up into the plane yet. I've been told to expect that at least a, once or twice a year, which is pretty funny for a hundred-year floodplain. But um, yeah, it hasn't hasn't actually uh, gone over the banks more than just a little bit yet. Kind of interesting man. to see what that looks like. I am very happy for my neighbor. Uh, I don't know if you remember, I posted a photo of me cutting concrete. We were talking about oh, that yeah. a little bit, maybe on the show. But uh, he was kind of rushing to get this new drain installed right in front of his driveway because uh, it was constantly flooding and putting water into his garage. And this would he, have been an ugly couple of days. Yeah. Well, he left for Florida about a week ago and we've been watching his dog. And so going over there and sending him photos of, hey, man, your your uh, labor here was not in vain. Just very successful mm-hmm. drain you installed here. So That's great. Yeah, happy for him. Happy for I him. I think I'm going to have to do something like that. I've got this little uh, concrete stretch that's right in front of um, my detached garage and i saw some evidence of water damage when i moved in right along the sort of the it's not actually a baseboard it's just kind of where the drywall meets the floor and i think it's because when it gets really wet it floods there because there's no gutter either which isn't helping on that side and i think i think it floods enough that it just actually pushes up underneath the sort of concrete line so probably need to it's amazing damage. how much water can damage. Pain. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, this day in tech history, there was some kind of crazy stuff, uh, but here's one from yesterday. Um, May 16th. I'll let you guess the year, but physicist Theodore Maiman creates the first laser light using a synthetic Ruby crystal device. He was not the first to develop the theories behind lasers, nor first to apply for patents. He was the first to create an operating laser device. The light produced by this device was not a true beam, as we think of most lasers today, but rather a pulse. Mm, I have no idea. I'm going to go 30s. Yeah, 1960. I would have guessed earlier as well. Much later. Yeah. Wow. Okay. I I don't know. It's hard because he's like not the first one to Uh discover it and stuff like that. I'm sure I'm crossing some wires there. I I don't know that I could give you any kind of lecture on the history of lasers though, either. So guess wrong. (laughs) Yeah, no, it's all good. I would have, I would have guessed earlier as well. Um, There was another interesting one that popped up uh, that I was diving into a little bit, but apparently on this day in 1965, so just five years later uh, from the laser thing, the, (laughs) the FBI laboratory it weighed in on the potential dirty lyrics of the song Louie Louie. What? <laughs> I'd never heard of the this The FBI before. did? The FBI. That's awesome. The FBI. So I won't get into all this. I don't want to waste a whole lot of time on this, but uh, it's actually a pretty funny story. But they, they turned... <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> anyway, so the FBI is in their lab playing the song Louie Louie at 78 RPM, 45 RPM. Again, this is a record, right? 33 right. and a third RPM and even slower speeds in an effort to determine uh, whether the lyrics were really uh, as terrible as 
some parents writing to the oh president at the time gosh. thought they were right. And if, if so, then it was in violation of the federal interstate transportation of obscene material law. Of course it is. They, they ended up determining that it's unintelligible at any speed. <laughs> right. so I was Which means it this. was it was imaginary. And it, it was, was imaginary. conspiracy theory. <laughs> it was a conspiracy theory. Yeah. But basically the band uh, oh did goodness. it in one take in a terrible uh, situation with the mic is like hanging up too high and all this kind of stuff. Now, if you know the song, it's uh, it's a fun song. Um, it's a very popular song. But yeah, you can also tell that it's not exactly recorded very great. Right. Mm-hmm. The singer is not up on the mic, all that kind of stuff. But it was pretty funny. That was uh, that was this day in uh, in history, 1965. The FBI. I've was always been impressed there. with the U.S.'s uh, law enforcement ability to like find that way to bring something that doesn't seem like an interstate issue, therefore isn't a federal issue, into the federal legal space, right? Yes. And I mean, it always ends up being the same thing. It's interstate commerce because it's something that they have broad authority to get into. And so they find a way to say, ah, this is about something crossing state lines now. And so we're going to (laughs) listen to Louie Louie and decide whether or not it's obscene. It's funny. (laughs) Did you ever watch McMillions on HBO? I did not know. You have to. I think I've mentioned it on the show before. You, you did mention it before. But without it being too much of a spoiler here, I don't think I'm spoiling it, but that's how they ended up catching the criminals is because oh, awesome. they used the mail system. Of course. Otherwise, they had no claim to be able to to take them down. Right. You know what I mean? Right, it's, right, right. It's hilarious. Too funny. Uh, anyway, too, too let's go funny. check that out. All right. So modern day, let's fast forward. Tech, what are we looking at today? I got some Man, tech. I felt like tech news stuff. was kind of weak, but yeah, there, there's a thing here or there. Um, I found one that's not terribly tech related, but it definitely falls in the science bucket and cracked me up. So it turns out Mexico City is sinking and not not a little bit, like a lot bit. It's it's projected to sink upwards of sixty five feet, and uh, what? And and this is it's due to a phenomenon called uh, subsidence, and it's it's basically, um, what? So I guess when the Spanish came in and completely destroyed the sort of incumbent, uh, what? I'm I'm gonna I'm sure I'm gonna butcher the name, but Tenochtitlan, the it was a city that was built on top of uh, Lake. Texicoco actually was built on top of uh, an island in the middle of a lake. After the Spanish uh, wiped it out, basically, they drained the lake and then just started developing. And the, the megalopolis that formed around what used to be an island on top of this lake is now Mexico City. And um, as Wait, it used grew... used to be they, an island on top of a lake? So, there, so well, where Mexico so, City so the is, original, used to be a lake? Or, right, exactly. Um, so, so where Mexico city is used to be a lake. Um, yeah. and, and it started on an Island in that lake, but they, they drained the lake and then they, they continued to build. And, um, as, as it grew, as it modernized, they also tapped into the groundwater, um, as I would say most places do, but it being a lake, I'm sure the groundwater was, were previously like groundwater is probably pretty high. It was probably pretty easy to get, get to that as kind of a, like an aquifer system. And, um, so as they have pulled water out, the 
sediment underneath, um, and that's what that that uh, phenomenon, that subsidence, um, it it causes it to like reorganize the sands and clays, and the reorganization causes compression and a lot of it. Yeah. So houses and buildings are sinking like a foot a year in some places, and what? it was talking about how how actually devastating this is because you know if you think it, it can cause the kind of damage that an earthquake causes but it does it slowly and constantly over time so have an earthquake you know maybe you get lots of government funding there's this big effort clean up you know it's a little more straightforward but in this situation when a road just sinks and breaks if you fix it quite possibly if not likely will sink and break again next year and then the same thing's happening to people's houses and people's and and you know like corporate buildings um and actually one of the things that really stood out and, and just sucks for the people of mexico city is that apparently very few homes are actually insured for structural damage at all mm, which means that's that terrible yeah. people are basically responsible for keeping up with the fact that their house is just sinking into an abyss and uh, yeah, it's that's crazy. And it also and now that it's known, I, I, it's not likely that insurance companies are going to start deciding to cover that. Cover. Yeah, and apparently they they noticed this in the '80s, I think, for the first time, and they started measuring it. But that's where I mean, literally, some some places are sinking like a foot a year. This is wow. it's not that slow, right? And um, it's interesting because I had seen, and maybe you've run into them occasionally, but uh, Mexico City seems to be sort of a hot spot for sinkholes. And now it suddenly makes a lot more sense. It's, yeah. I guess there are certain areas probably where it's a lot more sandy instead of what loamy with the uh, uh, clays and whatnot that water as it moves through just pulls all that sediment out and leaves this you know gaping hole underneath infrastructure and it can just drop buildings into it. But uh, now it makes more sense that occasionally those come out of Mexico, um, hmm. Mexico City specifically. So. Uh, anyways, I thought it was super interesting, and uh, yeah, it's unfortunate. But it's has anyone checked really in on curious. Venice, Italy lately? <laughs> same sort of thing, kind of there. I mean, not not even really close not to the really. same sort of thing. But, <laughs> but not like, sure. oops, we're sinking. More like, hey, we built on water and it's wet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, never forget when I came out to Italy to meet you, to hang out and meet your new daughter and all that stuff. Celebrate your thirtieth birthday, all that fun stuff. We went out to Venice and we're walking around. It's so beautiful. There's so many cool things to see. And Joanne and I are walking along and you look left and there's this whole just, I don't know, amazing architecture. And then the right, off to the right was kind of the edge of of the, the island there, Venice. And this lady is walking her dog and she was looking to the left at the buildings and then stepped right off the, uh, the walkway <laughs> and just fell right in, not I even the canal, but like out in the water. You know what I mean? Oh, like, wow. <laughs> It was gross, I mean, by the way. Yeah that, yeah, that water is pretty filthy. Luckily, she wasn't far from from some steps because it was where some boats were docking and all that kind of stuff. But that's good. If you ever go that's to Venice, be, be aware. <laughs> yeah. Pay attention Watch to where you're walking. Where you're walking. As you're looking around. Get off your phone. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Okay. I uh, want to get your take on Twitter. They're gearing up to launch what is called Twitter Blue, a subscription mm. tiering sort of thing. <laughs> three bucks a month and apparently a couple of the features have been released already and i'm really hoping that there's more than this but basically we know that there's going to be an undo tweet function and a bookmarking function which if i'm not 
incorrect, you can just delete tweets for free and you have the ability to save uh you what was it? I don't know if they call it bookmarking. They may already just call it bookmarking. <laughs> like you can go save a tweet. You know what I mean? Mm, I don't know about the saving tweets. One that you it's not find something I yeah. do on Twitter, but uh yes, you well, can I never use it. tweets instead of undo. I just undo yeah, is that just a, a fancy way of saying edit? You can bookmark a tweet already. Like uh, you can just no, save you, a not tweet. anymore. Not unless you <laughs> oh, pay. Now, now they take it away. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know anyone that uses that feature. I've seen heard maybe one person talk about it. I didn't know it existed. So yeah, exactly. I'm also in that boot. Um yeah, I mean, what Twitter's trying to do here. Make money. And I'm okay with that. Yeah, and I went know, and looked I, that I up. I invested in Twitter. So went and looked that it. up. I won't so, be paying though. <laughs> Their first, uh, let's see, Twitter. So last month, Twitter reported a profit of $68 million on revenue of $1.04 billion for their first quarter. So they made just $68 million in a quarter, which isn't that great in my opinion. But uh, Tech, for, yeah, no, I make more than that weekly. Obviously. Yeah, that's, that's what, 6%? $68 million of $1.04 billion. It's about 6% profit. That's pretty low. Yeah, that's interesting. Pretty low. No, yeah, well, and I'm sure that's why they get ragged on their uh, their, their performance. Stockwise hasn't been great lately, but hey, they're profitable. That uh, kicks the snot out of a lot of tech companies. So it's funny that we don't recognize that 68 million in profit is actually making money instead of just bleeding. Yeah, yeah. Speaking of profitable, no do you want to talk about? Do you want to talk about uh, cryptocurrency and Elon continuing to open his mouth? And, ah, and do you think Elon <laughs> ragged on Bitcoin? That was pretty funny. And and it had devastating consequences. You know, I, I don't know if anybody's not following along. I, I'm, I, I didn't follow it that closely, but I do see those tweets. Um, and and basically, he came back and ragged on Bitcoin, said Tesla's not going to accept that anymore. There, there's a rumor now going around based on a reply to a different tweet that, you know, uh, Tesla may be exiting their entire Bitcoin position. Um, it was just based on a, a response, a, a one-word response that Elon made to somebody sort of saying that that might happen. Um, I think he just said indeed, but it, no, you know, no anchor in reality there. We'll find out in the next quarterly filings, right? But um, and seven what, hours ago, he tweeted. He said, "To clarify speculation, Tesla has not sold any Bitcoin." Okay, and that sent people yeah. into a further fury because he didn't say they weren't going to. He just said they of haven't course. yet. <laughs> Which is it, that's it's entirely his prerogative. But this is this is one one thing that cracks also, me up about this. Oh yeah, go ahead. Sorry, it, it's not even. I mean, it cracks me up. There is the wrong way to say it. That's just a whatever. But um, his ability to influence the market right now is ridiculous. Yes. And it it completely, I don't know, it decouples like one of the expected primary benefits of cryptocurrency, which is decentralization. If a decentralized currency is so like at the whim of a billionaire, right? <laughs> who cares? Like, what are we even doing? Yeah, if, yeah. if Doge goes to the moon figuratively, not literally, because that's way more interesting, in my opinion. Um just because Elon has has the you know whim to talk about it, it just tells it, you how many paper it, hands there are out there yeah, flapping around. But but it also just <laughs> it just screams in general that there's an issue with with so chances are that whole crypto marketplace is um, there's so much speculative everything in it. If if they're acting on the words of a single billionaire or just prominent individual and it's and it's actually 
actionable to Elon's tweets. Like that's kind of a mess, right? But it also totally sounds right for crypto right now. It's all right. a bunch of YOLO FOMO crap. <laughs> it, it is. It's a bunch of crap right now. Um, but he also only said that Tesla was going to suspend accepting Bitcoin for Tesla. Not that they were going to kill it forever, basically while they stopped to investigate. And that's where I wanted to have a conversation a little bit on the um, the dirty power kind of... I, I've seen so many people say that that, that has been completely debunked. You can't I'm not debunk convinced it. One, I'm not convinced one way or another. No. I don't know. I, didn't I, I feel strongly about this. Because one of the biggest arguments right now for the amount of power, which is known, right? It's a you want to yes. go you mine Bitcoin, for sure. you're going to be spending terawatts is what yes like it's, it, it it's is an in insane yep. amount of electrical generation right correct period it that is real this is known it's not up for debate whether or not you know we're we're pulling power from the grid the argument they're making is well we're doing it mostly with clean energy now that's what i keep hearing 75 percent is clean energy ridiculous. how ridiculous do you- it doesn't matter until until the grid <laughs> yeah. doesn't Can need yeah. the dirty stuff to power everything else, I don't care. Uses this is the same argument with my mother about which energy provider she buys electricity from. Because at the end of the day, the grid has a certain amount of demand and a certain amount of supply, and it's coming from everywhere. And until we offset all of that, you know, it's it's still dirty. And just because Bitcoin and the miners are making a, a choice to purchase from wind or solar or what have you, they're still putting a massive amount of unnecessary demand on the electrical grid. Yeah. So it still has a carbon impact. Yeah. (laughs) So carbon impact. It's funny you say that too. I saw another tweet this morning. Um, If it, or maybe it was last night. I don't know. If it weren't for environmental activists, the tweet reads, and I I wish I could go back and find it, but uh, so I could credit this person, but it said, if it weren't for environmental activists, 90% 90% of our power would be from nuclear power and we wouldn't have any CO2 problems. Now that's a bit of a tongue in cheek thing, right? Because I, of- I actually totally get that one though. That's hilarious. <laughs> yeah. That, that uh, but- that's one of my favorites. Like we, we managed to successfully vilify one of the most abundant and arguably clean sources of electricity early on Yeah, because it requires a little bit more thought around the safety and disposal, mm-hmm. but it still kicks the snot out of, you know, decades and decades and decades of uh you know fossil fuel um sources it's actually really neat if it's something you know the listeners are interested in going back and looking at the history of nuclear power generation understanding like i forget the numbers i wish i had them at my fingertip but uh, the the fissionable material that we use right because right now most actually all really except for outside of laboratories i guess we're doing fission so we're breaking apart um you know heavy atoms and and that causes a, an explosion. The explosion is controlled, and then it causes a chain reaction. That's where you get lots of usable heat, basically, from it. But the uh, the volume, like the the BTU equivalents of a tiny amount of the fissionable materials that we use in nuclear power generation, mm-hmm. they're they're orders of magnitude. I'm talking like hundreds, if not thousands, of times more energetic usable energetic yeah. right right then then the the equivalent like oil or coal or or other fossil fuel sources N- not even close we're talking literally orders of magnitude difference yeah. and so oh i played sim city like, bro i know 
Um, anyways, it, it was funny that we we'd vilified. So yeah, I know we got off on a tangent on that one, but that that guy's probably right. Um, or or From gal, City whoever it was on Twitter. Was awesome. Yeah, it was Megalopolis's. Yep. Um, anyways, yeah. So, but uh, again, back to the the argument I was trying to make too, or maybe I did make it. I just want to reiterate, like the power demand is very real. And and the other thing that makes that really disingenuous to me is what what does Bitcoin do for the world, for the financial functioning of the world, right? Some of the arguments are gold. a store of value, sure, yeah, digital store gold, of value, or that's what it is. a medium of exchange, as as maybe Satoshi initially meant yeah. Bitcoin to be. So whether Bitcoin's still that or not, I think somebody actually tweeted back to me uh, the other day and said, any cryptocurrency that has a fixed block size is going to have escalating fee problems, right? As especially as a deflationary asset, if they have a limited supply and, and it's controlled how it can be created, as the value of the currency goes higher and as it gets used more and more, fixed block means that the cost per transacting on that block is is going to go up. I, I think that's a good argument, right? Mm-hmm. But it's and, and this is my whole point: proof of work and the way blockchain does it, and, and even just Block sizes is is a reason to look at other options for if you feel that it is necessary to have a decentralized store value, a decentralized uh, transaction uh, medium of transaction, right? like actual DeFi, then Bitcoin isn't the only option. So if yeah, and it's not if your I best option bit, for something like that, if I have sure. Bitcoin on one hand and it uses eighty gajillion trilla gigawatts of power daily. <laughs> And then I can do all the same things with maybe slightly different security setup because that's kind of what proof of work is to secure the whole whole you know ecosystem. Right. But I can do it for one one millionth of the same power consumption. Then you can't just say Bitcoin's good because it uses green energy because you can do all the same things with one one trillionth of that yeah. energy. Yeah. So it's a much you it's don't a much get more, to compare it to just fiat. That's not how yeah, this works. <laughs> right. It's a much more deep and layered conversation that a lot of people don't they don't they haven't grasped yet. But it's kind of like saying um the proof of work the, gives, the, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, all I was gonna say is the proof of work piece uh gives a higher uh security. Yeah. But it, it it should not be seen as a transactionable, like high transaction, high volume, right? It's going to be more uh, longer term store of value type stuff. Think of it if you think of it in layers, like uh, like in the data center, right? That's going to be the lowest base layer, and then on top of that, you're going to have have more high performance, less secure parachain type networks, right? That are going to operate and be more liquid, high transactional, but less secure, and then they will be connected to and dump into those layer one, right? And then you can build things. What's curious about this, though, too, is that the you know the arguments for and against certain amounts of security and what that means and stuff, right? That they're digital assets, which means that there are other ways to solve problems. Correct. So, as new cryptocurrencies come together, or as as other cryptocurrencies are upgraded, I think Ethereum is a good example of this, right? When it goes from 1.0 to 2.0 in that transition, going from proof of work to proof of stake. It doesn't mean it's insecure. It just changes the way that the security is established. And, and it, it has goodness. It has potential downsides, too. There, there are going to be trade-offs, no question. But the point is, there are 
potentially, if not already in existence, more elegant ways to solve the same problem. So it's not, it, it's a, it's a, a false, you know, dichotomy to sure. imply that if future is crypto, it's Bitcoin and Bitcoin is better than fiat. Therefore, Bitcoin is king. Like that. No, there's, there's a litany of things on the spectrum. Yeah, no. And it's just, I mean, you have to think about it. Like, I don't know how many of our listeners are aware of like the hyperconverged infrastructure market, right? When it initially started, there's, you know, 50, there's several tens of competitors. And then when it all shakes out five, six, seven years down the line, there's like three main competitors, right? That's what's going to happen from a layer one proof of work mm-hmm. uh, level, right? With Ethereum moving to ETH 2.0, they're, they're actually moving up a layer. They're moving to level two, right? And there's only going to be probably three, four, five, six, maybe that offer that high performance uh, proof of stake uh, that'll win out at that level, right? Yeah, anyway, definitely. whatever. We don't have to keep going down that route. Yeah, yeah. No, um, I think we talked about it a lot. I just think yeah, it's a th- disingenuous argument. That's all. For sure. I agree. I agree. Uh, one of the other things that I thought was hilarious, another thing I saw, um, this was roughly around when I saw that environmental activist thing, 90% of our power from uh, from nuclear. But it, there was a, <laughs> there's been a lot of memes around uh, cryptocurrency, but you see these dips and everyone's crying, complaining. And you see that it's like a side shot of a guy... <laughs> Well, the first the first actually is an overhead view of a guy looking like he's drowning, right? He's like trying to reach up with his face and grab air, and the water's coming up, right? And he can't breathe, or he's about to be underwater. And then you, and then it sh- the next scene is a side shot of him sitting on the ground, right, with water is up to his face, where he could just stand up, but he's like holding himself. And with that, it says like plus nine hundred percent on the year, right? But the top one is is down ten percent. Never mind. Anyway, it's, <laughs> it's clearly something you have to see. I feel like I just explained it terribly. But the whole point is, anybody that has been doing the cryptocurrency stuff for more than you know two or three months is likely up very big, despite the uh, the recent drawback. So it's it's pretty funny just to hear and see all the people clamoring and complaining and you know. Trashy yeah, well, that's because a lot of people just kind of got stuff. into it. So all yeah, they that see is red, that and that sucks. And, and yeah, that might be just true. as real for them as the gains are over time. Uh, there's actually a user on Reddit that has been, um, it was, I think it was two years ago, two or three now. Um, they purchased $1,000 worth of each of the top 10 crypto, or or 1000 across 10. I don't remember which one it was. Kind of irrelevant. But um, no transacting. So just buy and hold. They're up something like 600% across all of them. And some of those currencies, like they fell far off of the top 10, right? Yeah, yeah for sure. But like the top performers, that Bitcoin, the Ethereum, I forget what else was in there, probably Ripple uh, at the time. I forget exactly when it first hit um, top 10. Um, but uh, those are up like 2,000, 3,000 plus percent, right? Yeah. Um, it's, yeah, the, the history of holding most of the crypto that's been around for a long time is pretty... Uh, Pretty impressive, um, and then of course the question is always: Does it keep going that way, yeah. or is it going to precipitously drop and forever go into irrelevancy? Who knows? This is a casino, sir. That's right. That's All right. Right. Did you see the sixty minutes thing? I did the not. Aliens, What's up? The UFOs, the aliens, kind of stuff. Oh, very nice. No, go on. This is <laughs> no. I'm not going to say anything. Tell about me more. It. <laughs> tell me more. <laughs> no, go watch it. Go. Uh, I actually haven't watched the uh, the sixty minutes thing, but. It is them talking about the thing that I brought up previously on the show, 
the Tic Tac UFO and all this kind of stuff. But basically, it's 60 Minutes interviewing a bunch of uh, U.S. government uh, officials and um, military members and a bunch of different parts of the branches that have all these different experiences that they feel really uncomfortable talking about because they can't explain it. It's it's fascinating. Cool. Anyway. Yeah. So uh, I just found an article that is entirely too long and involved to even skim, I feel like right now, but I'm totally going to read this and we're going to talk about it soon. It's, what is uh, it? From What's the it about? Gradient, and it's, um, it's, it's a humored, human-centered, explainable AI is the, the gist. And um, I guess the title actually says, Towards Human-Centered, Explainable AI, The Journey So Far. So it's explaining uh, or, or getting into human human explainable artificial intelligence and it looks like a really good read and i just started it and it sounds cool and i'm gonna hmm. read it and it talks about the socio-ethical impacts and stuff like that anyways just try to check that out okay cool wednesday have you uh do you remember Redbox? yeah have i mean you seen I, one in i'm a while? aware of what it is uh i don't recall seeing very many ever yeah. So they- we used to use Redbox, my wife and I, back in 2006, I want to say. Redbox is the movie rentals, that, yeah. like a kiosk outside of... Yeah, like outside of McDonald's whatever. or something like Just that, a or a kiosk. gas station. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we used to... There was one like within walking distance of our house. Right. Well, everywhere is within walking distance if you have the time, but it was like Wait. a quarter mile but- from our house when we lived in in, uh, in Moore. Back and this day, existed but. with overlap with like Netflix streaming digitally, right? Yeah, I, I don't, I don't know. Or, or was it ahead? But Netflix somehow. was at. It was like a Netflix. little bit ahead. It was disrupting. Basically, I think Redbox was disrupting um, Blockbuster while Netflix was disrupting sure. them both. Right. Yeah, of course. Uh, but I, but I, I feel like Netflix came first. If if I'm remembering correctly, you're, you're probably right. Certainly you're in our right. areas. Because well, but Netflix, Netflix started with mailing, mailing the time. Them. Yes. Yeah. Netflix started with mailing and then Redbox came along and they said, okay, we're going to put a kiosk and you can rent DVDs. And uh, then, then you don't have to wait. It's not, not like a queue exactly. online. You just, you exactly. can walk in and grab it, which was one of the benefits of still having brick and mortar with Blockbuster when they, they exactly. attempted their Redbox, service, right? Yeah. And then Redbox said, oh, you can rent a DVD and then return it to any Redbox. So if you want to, mm-hmm. you know, grab one at this McDonald's and return it in another state because you're driving across country, do it. So be it. Uh, so anyway, I haven't yeah. heard of or Ouch. seen Redbox in a long time, but oh, they yeah. are set to go public. Really? I think again. I don't so know. they're still doing they're going okay. back to the public markets. Yeah. And a deal with. Uh, they, with they're really with inexpensive, SPAC. aren't they? They're valued at what? The rental? Thing? yeah yeah it's like a dollar pretty cheap or something yeah like okay so so i mean arguably depending on how much time you actually have to spend watching movies or what have you then a buck a rental kicks the snot out of netflix's monthly fees right yeah they are uh looking at going public again valued at 693 million dollars wow i just don't so i guess they're doing see. okay yeah interesting uh, no, I, I can't say I've noticed or not noticed them in a while, which is curious, but um, I don't know. Good for them. The SPAC thing is interesting. I don't I don't know enough about it, but my understanding is that those the SPACs basically are blank check to take companies public sort of stuff. And um, it sounds like they might be a symptom of money printer go burr too. Yeah. Uh, like they, they pretty much exist because people are trying to find assets to invest in 
and SPACs are sort of designed to, I don't know, flow money into that kind of stuff. I, I don't, I got to do more reading there, but anybody that knows more about SPACs, come give us a talk. Yeah. Cause it's cool. Sounds well, cool. It, it goes on. It says strategic investors backing Redbox's SPAC deal include Lionsgate, Legendary Entertainment, Screen Vision, and Basil Awanik, producer of the John Wick film series and founder of Thunder Road Films. And then the uh, CEO, Galen Smith, CEO of Redbox, said, Today's announcement brings us one step closer to building an entertainment ecosystem and underscores our steadfast commitment to enhancing our customer value proposition. So not, I don't, he's not saying much there uh, in Redblock or Redblox, Redbox's next chapter as a public company, we will be focused on delivering a differentiated, affordable entertainment experience for our millions of loyal customers and seeking profitable growth for shareholders. So I'm curious if they're changing their model entirely. Yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm curious as well. And I'm also curious how that falls across like demographic lines. Where is it big cities that are thriving with Redbox or is it small townships, you know, stuff like that? Oh, here we go. They are. Like, they are. So it won't just be a red box at brick and mortars. Oh. Uh, they'll use the capital it raises from the transaction to pay down debt, as well as invest in multiple business models, including film distribution, transactional oh, video okay. on demand, premium Uh-oh. video on demand, and ad supported linear and on demand. What? I need to know what all those <laughs> mean. I don't even What's know. What's the difference yes. between transactional video on demand? I guess that's just buying. What's premium video on demand? I don't know the difference between these. And then ad supported linear and on demand, I guess would be like free transactionals. You're paying like six bucks to rent it immediately in HD or like two bucks to rent it in SD. And then I guess premium video on demand. You can still rent stuff in SD? Yes. Yeah, dude. Go to Amazon Prime. Yeah. If you look up a movie, you can decide, hey, I want to pay $3.00 for SD or, you know, $4 for HD or whatever it is. I don't know. No kidding. Yes. They have That's different, awful. different versions rather than just saying, I want to rent this movie and then choosing the level of streaming quality. They actually charge you a different price based on it. Yep. Isn't that weird. Terrible. I yeah. hate everything about that. Yeah. Boo. Anyway, <laughs> I think we got to call it a day. I got to go get ready. Yep. I've got a, uh, a big old thing happening today. Ooh, you got big things. Like five hours. Yeah. This, is like this graduation thing for a leadership thing that i'm in adele cool. and uh very like cool. congratulations monday tuesday wednesday thursday make it yeah, big man. do awesome and on that note we're bringing another tech breakfast podcast home thanks for listening everybody we appreciate your time we had a good time we hope you did too we thanks for sharing thanks for listening thanks for supporting us and we'll talk to you on wednesday peace later <laughs>